And uh, two pieces of advice, if you want to understand the book of Revelation, do your homework and get a tutor. Do your homework and get a tutor. Read through the book of Revelation during the week. And who's the tutor? The Holy Spirit. Pray that the Holy Spirit will help you to understand this book. Sometimes folks say, oh, this book is so hard to understand. Revelation is very hard to understand. Sometimes I think, folks, it's not so much that it's hard to understand. Maybe it's just hard to believe. Hard to believe. But we better believe it because every word in the book of Revelation is true. And it's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. So may God help us in these days to get a handle on this wonderful book. The Lord hasn't left us on our own to understand it. He's given us his spirit. So if you didn't do your homework last week, do it this week. Read this chapter for yourself in the quietness of your own home. Please, please, don't expect to just uh, walk in the Sunday morning you're going to understand it. You have no hope. Read it for yourself during the week. Pray, ask the Lord, Lord, help me, I'm weak. Come to my frail mind and help me to understand this book and the great lessons and messages you have for me. Spend time with him. Please don't waste your time in front of the TV or on your phone. I'm serious now. In these days when we're in a a war, the enemy's working overtime and there's a spiritual warfare and the dark clouds are gathering on planet earth. And we, the church of Christ, need to redeem the time. And we really, really need to be prepared for what is coming. So there's your two pieces of advice. I'll not charge you for them. Do your homework and get the tutor. We better read Revelation 16. We're beginning today at verse 4. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous, are thy judgments. Amen. A short word of prayer, folks, just before we turn.
to the Word of God today. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, today that the Lord Jesus is the Lord of all. Thank you that he is the sovereign of the universe. And we thank you, Lord, that he is the one who sits on the circle of the earth. And we, the inhabitants, are as grasshoppers. Lord, we are so minute, we are so tiny in the great scheme of things. And yet, Lord, you love us. You care for us. Not with a sentimental kind of love, but with, but with a genuine, sacrificial kind of love. Thank you, Lord, that you not only tell us in your word that you love us, but you have showed in your word that you love us by sending Christ to be the Savior of the world. Thank you that you display your love there at Calvary. What an awesome price was paid by the Son of God. Father, we do take a moment today to pray for the royal family at this time. We remember them, particularly our new king. And we commend them to you at this time and particularly tomorrow for the funeral. We pray that you will uphold them and strengthen them and help them through what will be a, a difficult day. Lord, we pray that you will just undertake in a wonderful way for them. And we pray today for their spiritual need. We pray for every member of the royal household that they may be saved, that they may come to know Jesus Christ in a personal, living way. Answer prayer we ask of thee. Bless us now, Father. Grant us the help of the Holy Spirit in our closing time together, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was back on the 20th of April 1968 that the MP Enoch Powell made his famous Rivers of Blood speech. It was a speech that strongly criticised mass immigration. The strange thing is that Powell himself never referred to it as the Rivers of Blood speech. That was the title that the media gave to it. He referred to it as the Birmingham speech because it was delivered in the city of Birmingham. The expression rivers of blood uh, isn't found anywhere in Enoch Powell's speech, but it was kind of tagged onto his speech because of a reference that he made in his speech to a poem by the Latin poet Virgil. And this is what Virgil says in his poem. As I look ahead, I am filled with foreboding. Like the Roman, I seem to see the river Tiber foaming with much blood. And so that's where the phrase rivers of blood came from. Do you know, folks, I want to tell you, Revelation 16 speaks of rivers of blood, rivers of blood. And it's nothing to do with immigration, but it's to do with God's retribution 
God's judgment, God's punishment of the wicked. And so I want us to come today to think about this this passage, this third vial of judgment. We have thought about the first two in previous weeks. Remember the, the sores, the contagious sores in the first vial. Then the last time in the second vial it was contaminated seas. The seas had turned to blood. Today it's rivers of blood or it's crimson streams, we could call it. Crimson streams. The third vial. The third part of God's clean-up operation upon the earth. You see, the Lord, uh, as he sends the angels to pour out these bowls of punishment upon the earth, the Lord has a punitive purpose. First of all, a punitive purpose, that means to punish the earth, yes. But then he has a restorative purpose as well. You see, God is not just punishing the earth, but he's restoring the earth in preparation for the millennium, the thousand years when Christ will reign from Jerusalem. So there's there's two elements to it, punitive and restorative. So what about this third vial? Look at Revelation 16 verse 4. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters and they became blood. So this happens during the tribulation. And in particular during the second half of the tribulation... During the three and a half years before Christ comes back, before Jesus comes to set up his kingdom upon the earth, before the millennial reign, during these three and a half years, the angels are pouring out the vials of wrath. And this third one is poured out. And uh, rivers and streams and lakes all over the earth, all over the world, they, they're turned to blood. You see, this is the opposite of the first miracle that the Lord Jesus performed during his earthly ministry. You remember that he turned water to wine. He turned the water into wine to bless the people. It was a blessing. But it's not a blessing in Revelation 16. No, it's the opposite. It's a judgment. He turns the water into blood. Rivers of blood. You see, if, if we could sum up the, the message today and our study today, it would be two words. No water. No water. Here in Revelation 16, the people on the earth have no water. Not a drop of it anywhere. No fresh water. The fresh water on the planet has turned to blood. Boy, can you imagine that? You go to the kitchen sink to turn on to boil the kettle. No water comes out but just blood. Horrible. But then sin is a horrible thing. And sin nailed the Christ of God to the cross. And sin always brings down the wrath of God. And those who rebel against him choose his wrath. 
No water. You know, it's interesting when you study the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, you find that there's a number of occasions when there was no water. No water. We've read today Exodus chapter 7, how um, the first plague in Egypt, there was no water. God turned the, the waters of the river Nile into blood. People had no water to drink or to wash in. Exodus seven twenty. listen to it again. And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded. And he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. So what happened in Exodus 7 when the Israelites were about to come out of Egypt? The same thing happens again in Revelation 16. Thousands of years later. Same judgment is poured out. The only thing is different this time is it's, it's a worldwide judgment. It's not just one country. It's not just Egypt. No, it's all the countries of the earth are judged in Revelation. Same thing happens in both places. What's the lesson, folks? Right away, let's get a hold of this. God never changes. I am the Lord, I change not. We change. I change. One day up, the next day down. One day you're in good form, next day you're in bad form. We're so changeable. One day we're all friendly and happy as could be. The next day we're more like a cactus. We're prickly and we're changeable. One day we're, we're all enthusiastic. We're, we're just zealous for the Lord we can't do enough for him the next day we're not too bothered we're changeable the Lord's not changeable no he's forever the same and so the judgment falls in Egypt and the Nile is turned to blood poetic justice is what's happening here, folks. Poetic justice, because Pharaoh has been busy with his henchmen throwing the baby boys into the Nile. So God takes note, and God is not mocked. And he says, you're going to pay. Pharaoh rises up against Jehovah, and Jehovah deals with him. Pharaoh sheds innocent blood, murders the children. And God says, I'm going to hold you to account for the innocent blood. God judged Egypt. No water. I want to tell you folks, if God judged Egypt, he must, he, he must judge us too. It was back in... March 2020 that Matt Hancock announced that you could uh, have DIY, DIY abortions you could just have an abortion at home all you need to do is just take a tablet home abortions oh but it's just going to be temporary during the pandemic temporary don't worry well, it's now permanent 
Lot innocent blood being shed. Lot innocent wee lives in the womb being taken. And boy, think back to the 1960s when abortion was legalized and was given the full support of our parliament. Of course, part of the reason why it was introduced was to cover over the fornication and to make it easier for people to commit fornication and to sleep around with people they weren't married with, not married to, but, you know, sleep around and don't worry, you can have an abortion and we'll sweep the consequences under the carpet. And boy, there's a, I'll tell you, that carpet's very lumpy today. The innocent blood. The Lord will hold us to account. No water in Egypt. Then if you, you, you come to the New Testament. And you come to the cross where the Lord Jesus died for you and for me. We find there's no water there either. No water for him anyway. John ten twenty eight. after this. Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Lord Jesus cries out, I thirst, I thirst. But there wasn't a drop of water for him, no water. It was part of his suffering on our behalf, you see. He had to go without the water. He says in Psalm 22 that his tongue was like a potsherd, his mouth's like a potsherd. That's a, a broken piece of pottery that has been lying out in the midday sun and is so dry and has been baked and until it's, it's, it, 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 it's dry beyond description. And he says in the same psalm that his tongue was cleaving to the roof of his mouth, to his jaw. Do you ever get dry mouth? It's happened to me. Sometimes I've been even at the front and it's happened to me. And it's awkward when you're in the middle of a, a service and your mouth's dry and you, you, you just can't speak as freely as normal. It's not a pleasant thing. Well, that's the experience the Lord Jesus had at the cross. And there wasn't a drop of water for him, no water for the one who created the oceans. And he did it for you and for me. Some people wonder, well, is it enough? Is it enough to get me into heaven that Jesus died for me? Is it enough? Really enough? Is it not something I need to add to it? Well, no, there's not. His death, his sufferings are more than enough. His sufferings, his death is enough to save a thousand worlds. Hallelujah. Thank God for the one who had no water at the cross. They gave him vinegar instead. 
That's the way the world treated Christ. That's what the world thinks of him. The, the Christ of the Bible. Oh, if you talk, you know, about a, a Christ and a Jesus of people's imagination. The sort of Jesus that the, the apostate churches talk about. Then everybody's going to love him. But not the, the Jesus nor the Christ of the Bible. Not, not, the, not the Christ who whipped the, the money changers out of the temple. Not the Christ who said to the Pharisees, You're whited sepulchres, you boys. You're like a grave. You're full of bones. Bluffers. That's all you are. Not the, the Christ, the Jesus who, who called Herod a fox. Boy, he's not too popular. But that's the Christ of the Bible. That's the real Christ. What a saviour he is. If you don't know him today, you get to know him. And I didn't say know about him. A lot of people in hell today know about him. But they don't, never knew him. And the reason the Lord Jesus went to Calvary and there was no water for him was because he took our hell. And that brings me on to the next place where you'll find no water. That's hell. There's no water in hell. Luke 16, 24, and the rich man cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in Water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. No water in hell. There's no alcohol either, mind you. I remember an evangelist, a, a man, a brother who used to go down to Dublin to preach in Dublin, and one of his lines he told me he says, There's times that he says, there's drunkards walking past back and forward and they're, they're abusing them and heckling them. And he, he turns to them and he said, drink all you can now for there's none in hell. Drink as much as you can now for you'll not get a drop of the stuff in hell. Aye, there's no booze in hell. People talk about having a party in hell. Oh, sure, that's, I, I'm, I would rather go to hell. For that's where all my friends are going. And we're going to have a party. Boy, people who talk like that are in for a rude awakening. I tell you, there's no party in hell. You're on your own. It's... That's what makes hell so awful. The loneliness. It's the gnawing loneliness of the place. It's as if you're on your own in the caverns of the damned. And there's no water. Not a drop of it. So make sure you don't go there.
Why do I come here on a Sunday morning at half eleven and come again on Sunday evening at seven? Why do we have Sunday school and Bible class? Why do we have prayer meetings? Why do we have lifeliners? Why do we have sermon audio? CDs? Why do we have open airs? Why do we give out tracts? Holiday Bible clubs? Long list, folks. Why do we have it? So the people won't go to hell. Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell, but I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. This is a lifeboat, you know. This church is a lifeboat. Out on the dark sea of life, trying to rescue people who are drowning and going down into hell, and down into the bottomless pit. But that brings me back today to Revelation 16. As we finish, here is the the other place where you get no water. Not only in Egypt and at the cross and in hell, but on the tribulation earth. The tribulation earth. Verse 4 of Revelation 16, let me read it again. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. There's blood everywhere and there's no water. Why? Why is it? Why is the Lord judging the the earth dwellers like this? Well, it's because they have murdered his people. You see, we're given the answer in verse 6. Look at verse 6 of Revelation 16. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. They have shed the blood of saints and prophets. During the tribulation, there are going to be martyrs, tribulation martyrs, Christians who are going to be slaughtered for their faith, and there's going to be a lot of them. I don't know, maybe even the Lord will call some of us to be a tribulation martyr. I don't know. I'm not making any wild predictions. That's all in the Lord's hands. But who knows what's up ahead and who knows the stand we'll have to take. Many, many Christians during the tribulation, just before the Lord comes back, they'll experience Antichrist's cruelty. But they will receive a martyr's crown. Of course, down through the centuries of time, there have been believers who have joined that noble army of martyrs. So, so many. And we revere their memory today. I think of a man called Robert Glover, and with this I finish. Remember his name, Robert Glover. He, is, he was one of the Coventry martyrs burned at the stake in 1555 under Queen Mary. The inscription in the local church in Coventry reads, For some days before his execution, this faithful witness for Christ was in great heaviness, fearing that the Lord had forsaken him. But the promise 
I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, was so fulfilled to him that as he drew near to the stake, he was uh, on a sudden so mightily replenished with holy comfort and heavenly joy that clapping his hands, he exclaimed to a Christian friend, He is come! He is come! He was talking about the Holy Spirit coming to help him in his hour of need. His coming gave him the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And the noble army of martyrs praise thee. Thou art the King of glory, O Christ. Robert Glover, a martyr for Christ. You probably never came across him. You don't know him from Adam. You've probably never heard his name. Well, now you have. Remember his name. Do you know what date he was martyred on? September the 19th. Tomorrow's date. So as we are watching Her Majesty's funeral tomorrow, let's take a, take a moment to remember Robert Glover. Robert.